Today's podcast session is supported by Uphill. So if you ask a therapist who's doing clinical work what the bane of their existence is, usually progress notes are in the top one to two. I'm not naming any names, but when I was doing clinical work, I remember I had several colleagues who would get so backed up on clinical notes, so they would end up spending their nights and weekends trying just to catch up. Honestly, who wants to do that? And this is where Appeal comes in. Appeal is AI-powered case notes. Now, I know for many of us, when we hear the word AI, we're, there's like a natural skepticism. And honestly, I had that skepticism as well until I got to meet with the Appeal team and learn about some of the many ways that they are doing this in a way that is HIPAA compliant and also doesn't sell data to anyone and also protects our clients as well. You can learn more about Uphill and the awesome work that they're doing in the world uh, by going to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Uphill. And Uphill is uh, spelled U-P and then H-E-A-L, all one word. And at checkout, be sure to enter the promo code COUCH25, C-O-U-C-H, and the number 25 to get 25% off your Uphill plan for the first two months. If you are thinking about creating an online course, I know that many of us may be thinking about that right now in the midst of the pandemic and in a post-pandemic world, whether it's just to diversify our income uh, beyond therapy work or uh, just to feel like we have a bigger message to share and we want to be able to share that in a different way. Uh, beyond just our geographic area. If all of that sounds awesome and you've been thinking about creating an online course, I uh, just wanted to invite you to download the free A to Z online course guide. Uh, I launched my first online course back in 2015 to a $297 first sale. And through a lot of just hard work and uh, a lot of trust in colleagues to purchase the course, we've now had over 275 of our colleagues purchase the Healthcasters podcasting course. And I've learned a ton about what it takes to launch, grow, and scale a podcasting course and a course in, uh, in general. And uh, that guide just has a lot of helpful information to help you get started. We're also launching something called Online Course School. This is a live cohort experience. So meaning that this isn't like a digital course on courses, although eventually it will have that. But this is more of a live experience where we therapists can gather over the course of six to eight weeks. And what I will do is I will teach you everything that I know about how to launch and grow a successful online course. We'll start with your idea and how to validate your online course. We'll then work through what your lessons and modules and all of those different things will look like. We'll actually take time and and actually do exercises to get those down. We'll come up with your course title and your subtitle uh, in a way that your students are excited to want to purchase that course. And then we'll talk about actually how to record and market your course as well. And you'll be joined with others in community and you'll have an accountability buddy and a bunch of really awesome stuff. And uh, if any of that sounds awesome, I encourage you to download again the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. So we'll get right to today's session.
Hello, hello. Welcome to session 300 of Selling the Couch. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 300. This is crazy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. None of this would be possible without each of you guys. And, you know, launching a podcast like this and for someone like me who really struggles with a lot of fear and doubt, I never imagined actually getting up to 300 episodes. I actually had a, a colleague early on in the STC journey tell me like, how long do you think you can keep this going? Because you might, you're going to run out of topics. And for a long time, I listened to that voice. And finally, I think I was just able to let it go. And here we are, 300 episodes. I love podcasting. I love all of the different you know people I get to connect with and the interesting conversations I get to have. And today is one of those conversations. We're actually doing a coaching call all about online courses and more specifically, all about the imposter syndrome and the fear of charging your worth when it comes to creating your online course. This is, I think, something that many of us struggle with. And I wanted to have our guest today, which, who is Nikki Sewell. Uh, Nikki Sewell uh, Nikki's website is over at Nikki Sewell. Dot com. And Nikki was part of our initial beta group for online course school. OCS is this eight-week live experience where we walk you through setting up your online course, everything from validating it to how do you record, and then we even work on getting your sales page up and ready to go. So basically, by that point, you're ready for your pilot group. And Nikki's about to get her first students into her online course. And what she's noticed is her first pilot students. And what she's noticed is there's just a lot of fear coming up around like charging your worth. She's actually creating a course for therapists, a grief course for therapists, because those of us that are doing therapy know that many of us are trying to navigate this, the profound grief and may not have the the appropriate training and just sort of feeling like, how do I do this? And Nikki's offering that solution. You'll hear more of this in the conversation, but Nikki has built a successful private practice pre-pandemic focused on the niche of grief. And she is actually uh, lives this out, meaning that she lost her father in her second year of grad school to suicide. And then she lost her husband back in 2013, unexpected death at the age of 41. And that's what motivated her to pursue this sort of path. And so this is a really interesting conversation, and I hope that you find it helpful. Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, this is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and I call him Dave. Dave and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous STC podcast guest. And honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know. And with sponsors, you guys know I'm, I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share uh, the STC audience with. And Dave, when uh, we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people. I just, I had zero doubt. And so Dave is a financial planner, uh, specifically for therapists, and his whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us, uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told, 
It impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement and investing and all of those things. And Dave understands that. And he comes from just a very heart-centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, It's absolutely free to download, and it's called The Seven Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And that guide has a lot of the things that, that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. Hey, Nikki, welcome to Selling the Couch. Thanks for having me. Hi, Melvin. You know, I totally said I should say welcome back to Selling the Couch, and I totally forgot it's been almost no four years, right? We're all creatures of habit, right? Yeah, absolutely. I can't believe it's always almost been four years since, you know, we recorded that first podcast episode. Yeah, and uh, that was really pivotal in my practice. Yeah, it helped. In terms you. of this work that I do. Yeah, it helped you find that niche and let us know that that space that you found is. Yeah, well, I had started marketing my grief counseling practice in 2017 and then had been working on kind of niching down into, as we talked about in that previous podcast episode, working with widows, working with suicide survivors, working with orphaned adults. Yeah, it's always so interesting to me, like when our colleagues share like on their niches and how they arrived there. But then also it's super empowering, right? Because you could have something like widows, right? And you would think that's a, wow, that could be a niche. But then it is like empowering, like, yeah, that's totally a niche, right? Mm -hmm. And once you really hone in on like that population and what they struggle with, right? It just makes so much, I would imagine like so many things so much easier, right? Marketing, all of that. And I also love that word empowering, right? Because I think when people think of doing the work of grief counseling or grief therapy, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's depressing. Isn't that Mm -hmm. depressing? Oh, it's so sad. Mm -hmm. But it's really about empowering individuals to kind of rebuild the lives that they thought they lost. Wow. Or that they did lose a part of their life, right? But it's what's lost and what's left and what's possible. Wow. What a beautiful way to say it, right? So it doesn't all, it's not like- I can't take credit for that. Yeah. But it's how but I've adopted it. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful mantra. It is because it it assumes that you don't lose everything, right? But then you also have the capacity to rebuild, and whatever you create in the future could be even more beautiful and unique than what was there before. Yeah, we're doing something pretty interesting today, and one I just wanted to say before we even jump into this, how grateful I am for you. You are one of the most genuine and kind and sincere people that I know. Well, thank you so much for saying that. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. The feelings are mutual. And I mean, you were part of online course school, you know, our initial cohort. And I just felt like we formed this connection to one another. And there was mm-hmm. just this spirit of just genuinely wanting to help each other build our courses. And you're at sort of this crossroads, right? And so maybe we, before we jump into the, the thing that you're sort of wanting to workshop and navigate, tell us a little bit about where the thought around an online course even came from? It started back in 2018. I'd been getting calls from potential clients who, a couple who were transitioning out of their work with one therapist because, for example, that therapist didn't feel comfortable or competent or whatever word they might have felt about continuing to do that work in the context of that person grieving. And I'd gotten some calls around that same time from therapists saying, hey, can I refer you somebody 
for grief counseling because it's not my wheelhouse. And I thought, gosh, you know, is there a way to make therapists more comfortable, even if they don't feel like they have some sort of specialized, you know, certification or or even a trauma treatment like like EMDR or something? Mm-hmm. Is there a way to kind of give them some tangible skills that they can start using in sessions today, right? That might make them more comfortable working with with clients because it's a very comfortable subject for me. And maybe that's in part because of life experiences or, or should I say death experiences in my life, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, for those that folks that didn't hear or haven't had a chance to listen to our previous conversation from a couple of years ago, tell us a little bit about the context of why you feel like the personal side of it for you. Yeah. I mean, I had... While I was in graduate school, in between my first and second year, my dad had died, traumatic circumstances, he died by suicide. And then seven years later, after I'd moved out here to Connecticut, my husband died suddenly and unexpectedly at the age of 41. And that was back in 2013. Yeah. So it, I mean, for you, this is so personal. And I I feel like even before we dive into the, the depth of this, like this is something, you know, I was trying to like emphasize with you guys over and over the best courses are when you combine clinical training with personal experience, right? Because it just gives you one, like a business owner, it gives you such a competitive advantage because you can speak to subtle nuances, right? That maybe somebody has strictly academic understanding may not be able to understand. And then I think the other side of it is people connect with story right? And that is so powerful Mm -hmm. when it comes to inviting people to join our course, you know? So yeah, I know we were at this kind of crossroads trying to navigate a grief course for the general public, which it sounds like that may come in the future. Absolutely. Uh, But then, you know, you decided there are so many clinicians. I mean, we were just talking about this right before, when you combine something like, especially like the normal sort of life stuff that happens, right? unexpected deaths, all of that kind of stuff, right? When you combine that with a pandemic and the grief that overlays in all of our lives, Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, there's such a unique facet to this. And I think there's such a need for a course like this because so many clinicians, I mean, I literally talked to two colleagues last week and they just talked about how overwhelmed they were just Mm -hmm. with how and how heavy they feel, right? Right, and yeah. Never before have we in this field, right? Been kind of living this same experience mm-hmm. as our patients, right? Unless, of course, we have some life experience or circumstance that's happening in that moment that we happen to have a client that's going through something similar. But nothing really compares to COVID in the sense of being this therapist and taking care of ourselves and our families and our communities and also our clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And while we're struggling, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. been, I don't think it's ever been this hard to be a therapist, right? Yeah. I mean, it's hard work, period. Yep. But it's never been this hard. Yep. Agreed. I mean, it, and you just said that so well. Like, and then the the length of it, right? Like, you know, the typically- prolonged uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. That it just keeps going, yep. and then we have this hope that, oh my God, maybe it's quote unquote vanquished. Yeah. And then here we are in a, in this new sir, this Omicron or Omicron yeah. yeah. It's unreal, and so. I don't know. So you're seeing sort of holistically, right? You're you've got your personal experience. You've got the clinical training. Have been, you know, this is your specialty. You've been doing this for a number of years. Uh, you've built a successful practice around it, a very successful practice around it. And you're at this point where you're like, wow, you know, I think sort of the next chapter of my life is serving our field by sharing my knowledge and expertise in mm-hmm. a way that betters the lives of clinicians and 
when they're served, right? They impact the lives of their better, clients. Better serve. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's, yeah, it's that's a, a great way to put it. Well, I mean, and I know your heart and I know that's where it's at. And when you asked me like the question, and maybe you can even share it here, right? Because I think one of the hardest parts of creating an online course is actually not the, how do you record a course? How do you structure a course? Right. It's the mental games and the mental dialogue we play with ourselves. I've shared with you guys this on previous episodes, but especially last year and this year, definitely, I like heavily invested in therapy and brain spotting mm-hmm. because of this money stuff, because I realized it was not my creative ideas that was holding me back. It was my shame around money and my feeling like I was worthy to be teaching something, even though I knew like I would never teach on anything I, unless I had like significant experience and like knowledge on and success with, right? So tell us a little bit about where you are. And like, I would love to hear that. And then we can kind of workshop this together. Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that because it's nice to know that I know I'm not alone in these feelings and these money blocks and money shame and who am I to ask for? But I think when we had talked about coming on the podcast and talking this question through, it was a couple different things, right? One was uh, a sense of imposter syndrome. Who am I to think that I could offer this, even though this is my expertise? So there's like these two competing halves of my brain, right? And so that was one of them. And then, but there's a layer of imposter syndrome or whatever we want to call it that relates to the money, the money piece in terms of, okay, so you think you have this expertise and you should charge for your services, but then there's also shame on the other side in terms of who are you to think you are to charge X number of dollars Mm. for this course. Mm. And I think on both sides, nobody has told me yet that it's too expensive, Mm. but I think I have this internal voice that is, but a lot of people have told me it's the opposite. I need to be charging more. And that makes me so uncomfortable. What is it about that that makes you so uncomfortable? I think it's just asking for a lot of money, even though I know. So this is these two halves competing, right? Mm. But even though I know I'm providing a service and to your point, helping therapists to better take care of themselves in order to better serve their clients. Yeah. That's an investment in their future. Right. Just like just like what we do with our clients. Right. Sure, maybe they pay, you know, out of pocket per session, but the tools that they're that they're learning or gaining in the context of each session, like they get to take that with them. Yeah. So if we see them for six sessions or 16 sessions or 60 sessions, they take that with them. Yeah. Forever. Yep. There's like, I think you just said that so beautifully. The space you're going into is really unique because you are giving clinicians a skill set. Clinicians then give clients a skill set. But the other side of it is when clinicians are equipped to do do this well, they actually make money, right? And so, as they should. As they should, right? I wish I could work for free. Right. Right. I I wish I didn't have to deal with money and money blocks and all that. Right. Yeah. But I got to pay my bills. Yeah. Absolutely. So I guess this is the sort of nuance to it, right? Like you're actually helping clinicians to be, become better clinicians and better business owners, right? And if you could yeah, sort I of think about it, right? Like if you, could, if you could think of it that way, right? That, I mean, this skill set that you're giving them, it's going to make thousands, tens of thousands, right? Possibly even hundreds of thousands of dollars over time. time, over time. So what is it like to hear that and feel that? Yeah. I mean, it feels good. And I just hadn't thought about it in that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you and I have talked about this. It is definitely not easy. And, you know, in, in OCS, we talked about like the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? And Heather like articulated that so well. And so the basic, you know, premise of it is that usually the more competent that you feel on a topic, right, the more unworthy you feel about teaching it and being perceived as an expert in it. I think that's you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we could probably open it up and be like, example, Nikki Soul. <laughs> I'm teasing, but you know, like I mean But even as you say that, you know, mm-hmm. part of why I wanted to explore this question is that I know it's not just me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That you could certainly be right. We open that page and there's my name, right? right. Yeah. But a lot of people feel that, right? Yeah. I think a lot of clinicians feel it. I mean, there's such a I don't I don't know if you feel this, but like well, there's a couple of things. One is, I think there's this natural tension I think a lot of clinicians feel, which is we're in a helping profession. And if you are in a helping profession, that means there's like an upper limit in terms exactly. of charging. Does that resonate, that part? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So what is, that's the interesting thing, because I feel like knowing you, you don't struggle as much with that with therapy, though, pricing your therapy services, right? Right. But I've been self-pay for over five years now, I think. And over time, I've kind of increased increased that fee. Yeah. And there's shame on both sides, right? So you'll get people shaming you for, you should charge more. And then you get people shaming you for, how dare you not take insurance? Yeah. And therapists should take insurance. Yeah. Well, don't even get me started on that soapbox about that insurance should reimburse more fairly. Yeah. And there should be cost of living adjustments every year. Right. right. Which there are not. As far as I know, the reimbursement rate for one large insurance company, which shall remain named here in Connecticut, has not increased for the past 10 years for a 90834. Wow, that's crazy. And then the other piece of that, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but the vast majority of therapists are women, right? Mm. Shame on you for asking more. Mm. Shame on you for wanting to create a life that's sustainable and you're not having to see 45 clients a week. Yep. Yeah, I mean, when to you be able s- to afford to live, right? When you add that layer, like sort of patriarchy, and that like layer, and those multiple sort of unspoken things, it's it is it's overwhelming, you know. Yeah, but I think it's actually helpful when you said it in that way that that I don't have the same struggle with therapy and with saying this is what my fee is, or even with my immigration evaluation that I offer, service that I offer. Did you have that struggle when you were starting those? Yeah. Okay. And, and so I think that's what that's what part of this is. Yeah. And, and again, it's pushing beyond my comfort zone. It's offering a new service. Yeah. So how did you push beyond with the immigration evals and the switching to private pay? Like I mean at a, like a practical level, what did you do? I think part of it is increasing the fees gradually. Uh, maybe too gradually some people might argue. So you could do that with your online course. Exactly. Yep. Right. With the immigration evaluation, I think it was getting more experience, mm-hmm. right? And and having working with more attorneys, work doing more types of evaluations, getting, you know, more and more positive feedback from them mm-hmm. that I felt like maybe I was like legitimizing myself at some point. Yeah. So I could charge a little bit more. Yeah. And also the reframe, and this goes back to something you were sharing earlier about about doing this course and that, you know, helping therapists to help others and and it becomes this investment. So that's kind of how I approach the immigration evaluations mm-hmm. is that this is an investment in someone's family's future to be able to keep their f- family intact here rather than the trauma 
of separation. You know, one of the things I'm just like feeling and kind of taking away is this whole process of pricing, right? It's such, in this weird way, it's actually this act of humility because the sooner that we can sort of remove ourselves from the equation and make it less about us and our, and and this is not to minimize, but like make it less about us and our sort of shame around it, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. and more about like, I am part of like one larger picture, right? I think like that sort of reframe has been really helpful for me. I heard that the second thing I wanted to add was I heard this great story earlier this week, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but uh, I do all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So the basic idea is, you know, I think when we think about competence or knowledge or pricing, right, we think of it like in black and white often, right? Like either I'm competent on this subject to teach it or I'm not competent. And I just wish that I could like cite the person because I want to like give this person credit. But they said, look at it instead of that way, like a black and white kind of thing. Look at it more like the rungs of a ladder, right? And the reality is you may be on rung three with your knowledge and level of expertise on grief, Mm -hmm. right? I suspect you're way higher than that. But the thing to remember is there are people on rung two and rung one who Mm -hmm. need the information that rung three is providing. Yeah. Right. And now there may be people on rung six and seven who may not need it. Right. Right. But that's okay because those Those are are the people that are offering their own certification programs. Right. Yeah. And when I say certification, I mean like, you know, 30 hours of learning, right? Not this course that shall remain, course company that shall remain nameless. It's your six CEUs and you can get a grief certification. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable by that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it was actually Jeff Walker. I was listening to him in his like product for uh, product launch formula course, and mm-hmm. I was listening to it this this week in prep for our next cohort of OCS. He said, "You know, the vast majority of students of courses tend to be beginners, right? Like they want to learn a brand new skill, and so I actually think you're in the perfect spot." Even if you do feel like you're only on wrong three or four, yeah. right? The majority of students are going to be wrong one, right? Yeah. And I suppose when I've taken courses in the past, yeah. whatever the subject is, whether it's professional or for personal reasons, yeah, you've you come to it with that beginner's mind. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's this other side, which I think you will navigate well and fine, but it's called like the curse of knowledge, right? Actually, the if you get up too high, like a rung seven or eight, it's very easy to forget what it's like at rung one. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of keep it too academic and kind of too over the head. Whereas I actually think the combo of your knowledge plus your clinical training makes you like perfect for, and your personal experience makes you perfect for like a wrong one. Yeah, I'll have to work on embracing or adapting that that reframe, but I appreciate that. Yeah, I know with like our time flew by. Where does it feel in terms of like now when you sort of think about, you know, like the money and charging and seeing, you know, removing yourself and realizing you've actually done this in two different contexts. Yeah, I think it feels a bit more doable and a bit more comfortable. And, it, you know, it's one of the things that, that you said at the very beginning, I think when we had our call about joining OCS, or maybe it was in one of our first sessions with the group, but it was that, like, you're not going to have this course overnight, right? And, like, and you shared how you've kind of built the podcast and also your podcasting course over time, right? And how the income has increased over time right? With more memberships or maybe your fees have increased, I don't know. And so it's stepping outside of that being 
uber successful this first round or whatever that even looks like right mm -hmm. and thinking about it more as the tortoise rather than the hare yeah right yeah. you know slow and steady yeah i'm so glad you brought that up because i think that's it's something i struggle with which is we look at models of folks who've had successful insert blank right in uh successful courses in this mm -hmm. example and then we feel like if we're not there yesterday right somehow, don't failure yeah yeah don't even bother like launching this <laughs> thing right yeah but i will tell you there's enough people that think that way that actually deters them that i actually think the people that can push through that and actually do it even if it is tortoise which honestly i would much rather do that be the tortoise than the hare mm -hmm. because there's so the many burns himself out yeah it's burnout and then you may not have the infrastructure in place right like what if you get like 500 students overnight right like yeah that's too much right like you have to handle customer service credit card rejections any of that stuff right so yeah it's like it's totally fine to pace well you know mm -hmm. uh nikki i'm so grateful for you let us know what are the what's the best website that we can reach out to you. I'm sure you'll post the course there as well when it does get live. But um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, tell us about that. So I am at it's the same website, but people can go to nikkisewell.com. So n i k k i sewell s e w e l l dot com, just my name or Milford Grief Therapist. And uh, there's actually that's where my landing page is for the course is there's a at the top of the screen, there's four therapists. And from the drop down, people can find the course. Nice. Which oh. actually just launched the page yesterday. That's awesome. We'll definitely put it on the show notes. Uh, Lovely. Thank you. Nikki, this is going to be great. And, you know, I know I'm cheering you on and I know everyone that is listening is cheering you on because there is such a need for this. And yeah. And uh, you are absolutely worthy to be launching this. So thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nikki. And especially if you are in a season, whether you're launching your online course or you're just in a season where you are struggling to price and own your worth and own your knowledge. I hope that today's podcast session has just been so helpful for you. That ladder analogy has just been so helpful for me because, again, as I mentioned, like on the call, I was thinking of a very black and white, like I either had the knowledge or I didn't have the knowledge. And I think that ladder analogy just reminded me that there are always going to be folks that are higher up on the rungs of the ladder, and there are always going to be folks on lower rungs of the ladder. And the people that I'll be teaching are the folks on the lower rung, and eventually, I'll get up to higher rungs and then I'll add a rung there, right? And so, I don't know, that sort of imagery I think was so helpful. Yeah, and just even like thinking about what pricing and just charging our own own sense of worth. Nikki's website is again at nikkisewell.com and then also at milfordgrieftherapist.com. Milford is M-I-L-F-O-R-D milfordgrieftherapist.com. And that's where you can get some more information uh, with regard to the course. Again, if you go on that website, there's a section up at the top that says for therapists. And if you just toggle down there, you'll get a link to the online course. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner. For therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends. 
just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want. And uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like heart-centered folks that I've ever met, and you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Turning Point HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable, and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of your any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Have a wonderful rest of your day and uh, I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. wanted to invite you to download the free online course guide if you are thinking about launching an online course and just want some things that have been helpful uh, for me and some of the tough lessons that I learned along the way. You can again download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. And as I mentioned right at the beginning, we're actually starting a live cohort called Online Course School. This is a great opportunity to join with other therapists to validate and launch and record your online course. The best way to find out about this and to keep updated when the cohort launches is to download, again, the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.